0: LifeWay Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple-makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we are back talking about the reasons one-on-one discipleship is not the best method. It is a method, but we would argue it's not the best method. Many people have been discipled this way. Many people are discipling others this way, and that's fine. But there is a better way. And so we began to go over some reasons that one on one um and we ran out of time really. We we went through of the how many reasons are there total? There's eight reasons. Eight reasons. There's we covered reasons. a whopping two reasons. <laughs> we covered two, which so is normal time for
1: this podcast. We're
0: going quick and we're gonna cover why rush all the rest.
1: We're trying to implement what's called a slowed down spirituality anyway. That's right. We're not in a rush.
0: Are we trying to implement a slow down podcast?
1: Well, it reminds me of the of the student who went to the professor uh, the professor uh, of his college class and he was trying to shortcut the class and he said Is there any way I can take the test sooner and do the work faster and get out of the class earlier?
0: Now was this student you? No, this okay. is not <laughs> this is not me. This is not
1: me. But I read this in a book called The Green Letters. And uh, the professor looked at the student and he said, Son, what would you rather be a squash? or an oak tree. The student said, uh, "I'd probably want to be an oak tree." "Why do you ask?" He said, "Because you can produce a squash in 6 weeks. It takes 30 years to build an oak tree." Mm. Nobody you, wants to be a squash. What do you want to be? Yeah, exactly. nobody no wants point to be nobody wants squash. squash. But anyway, okay, here's here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to continue our study on why we think 1-on-1 is not the most effective. Now, if you're if you're making disciples through 1-on-1, Praise God, you're making disciples, you're you're investing in people. But what we're saying is if you have a choice, we want to convince you, we want to encourage you to opt for a group model of 3 to 5.
0: We might even go so far as suggesting that the Bible teaches the better method of more than one. Yeah, one.
1: and if you didn't hear it last podcast, you need to go back for some biblical reasons for that. But let's pick up on number 3. Let me let me let me kind of recap. Number 1 is this, the reason we don't if we have a choice invest in one person at a time is because it can become a ping pong match i've played in some of those matches yeah and they're very overwhelming and they're nerve-wracking and how was your day great i was how's your family chris great how's your kids
0: Awesome. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm getting nervous thinking about it. the one-word answer. Yeah. The second. The second challenge is it's very difficult to reproduce. They look at you like Jesus or Paul, and they think of themselves as some outlying disciple. But when you put two or three other guys in the room, like Bubba and Dylan and Colton,
0: I like how you've equated Colton and Dylan to Bubba. Right. Well, I like Bubba.
1: I, like, I had a Bubba. Bubba's a nice guy. I had a Bubba in my church and in my group years ago. Okay. Number three. Uh, A group of two, one-on-one, tends to be a counseling session. Now, there are times when your discipleship group will be a counseling session. I mean, there's times when guys come in and they say, hey, my marriage is falling apart. My job uh, is being, you know, my, my business being downsized. And you counsel them.
0: Yeah. You don't want to take those moments and say, oh, well, we don't care about your problems. We're, we're powering through. Right. You take these opportunities.
1: But here's what I found. And if you do one-on-one, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Most of the time when you're investing in one person and you have a group of two total, it tends to become every week a, a download dump of, in, uh, of of challenges, insights, depressions, uh, setbacks, but when you implement a group of three to five, the person that is wanting counseling all the time, they realize it's not about them. Yeah. You're growing as a group and you're growing as a unit. And so while there's time for counseling, you do that normally outside of the group, never inside or in place of the group, okay? And, and and like I said, there's times when guys have come in and said, my marriage is falling apart and hanging on by a thread, and the whole meeting is pivoted. But we don't do that every week. Sure,
0: and you want to be careful because there are, people. Um, and I'm one of them sometimes who monopolize the group with those problems each week. Yeah. And the great thing, if, if it's a one-on-one situation, like you're saying, there's really not much you can do about it. Right. But if it's a multiple, multiple people in the group, you, it, it's an easier way to help them see that, Hey, yes, we want to help you with issues. That's part of what this is all about, but it's not the only thing. Right. And so sometimes, you know, it can become a, a counseling session, but with other people in the group, you can help kind of shift, through that, move through that and help them process some of those things to say every single week, it's not an emergency.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's not always about you. I mean, let's, let's be honest. We're trying to get people to stop focusing on themselves and focus on where God's taking them. Number four, um, a group of three to five or six offers built in accountability. This is a big one with a group of one-on-one. The person looks at you as, if you're on staff, they're thinking, well, you're paid to do this. If you're a pastor, you're, you're set apart to do this. But uh, And then they think, well, there's no way I can memorize. You can memorize the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, because you're on a pastoral staff. I'm just a... A businessman i'm a stay-at-home mom i'm a uh, i'm a salesman i can't do that but when you implement a group of three to five or you start with a group of three to five the other guys in the group or the other ladies in the group will hold that person accountable here's what i mean a person comes in and i've had this happen many times and i'd say hey today we're going to quote matthew 5 1 through 20 wow right okay? yeah
0: well, that's, that's just a lot of passages.
1: that's just the beginning
0: my group was not that good we did we did it one time i think we did 10 verses. Oh, nice. At one time? Nice. That's a good start. It's a great start.
1: Uh, Toward the end of my group, we were quoting Matthew 5, 6, and half of 7. There's no way you can do that each individual. So here's what you do it's a great side note. Uh, You have to divide up into groups, which is why I think the ideal group size is is either four total or six total, and here's why. Because you can pair up into teams or groups. So two of us went in another room, two stayed in my office, two went in another room, and we quoted Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and half of 7. Took a long time, but uh, the point is you have built-in accountability. But let's go back to the first guy. Let's go Matthew 5, 1 through 10. Blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are the humble, for they will see God. I mean, for the blessed are the humble, for they who knows. Okay, she could say, "I have no clue."
0: You weren't ready to recite that today. So, in a moment of openness, so what they number, okay? Yeah. Let's take you as, easily let's take me as an person. example right here.
1: They'll look at me and say, "Okay, Robbie, you obviously don't know your scripture," and so what,
0: so. Well, what no, they would give you a word, and that would remind you, you word, to be right. back on track.
1: Yeah, um, but so what they would say is, uh, Robbie, that's okay. Let's go to Chris. Chris, you're up. And then what would happen is you begin to quote the scripture. Blessed are the point. pure in heart, for they will oh, see okay. God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Uh, satisfied. Satisfied is <laughs> bad. You may uh,
0: need more coffee.
1: I may need more coffee. But here's the thing. So what happens is you don't have to say, Robbie, man, you stink. You need to step it up. Why are you, why, why are you not doing this? You just say, hey, that's okay, Robbie. You don't know it. You'll, you'll learn it next week. Chris, you go next. And then when you're finished, you say, Dylan, you go next. Yeah. An instant conviction sets in. You don't even have to say a word to the first guy yeah. because the second guy quotes and the third guy quotes or the fourth guy. Oh, let's do it with hear journals. You come in and say, hey, tell me what you heard from God this week. Well, I didn't do a hear journal. That's okay. Let's see what, uh, let's see what Joe, Joe has to say. Let's see what Mike has to say. And because the other guys are in the group or other ladies, you start growing as a group and it's built in accountability. You don't want to look like a fool. Yeah.
0: You, you don't want to be the only one showing up with nothing done.
1: You know, that's why people fear public speaking as the number one fear in the world. Why is that? It's not public speaking. I thought it was snakes. Well, snakes is up there, actually. <laughs> Do you fear snakes? Uh, I don't know that I fear them, but I don't like them. If I see a snake on my property property you know i'm gonna do, kill it we kill it all the time yeah. i don't even identify. some guys say you want to identify the snake I oh i identify, identify everyone. A it's a dead snake
0: my wife claims there are quote unquote good snakes
1: yeah me too but no. i've heard that before but there's a good no snake good snake is a dead snake that's exactly right so some people are scared of snakes some people fear spiders but most people fear public speaking and the reason most people fear public speaking is not the speaking part it's because they don't want to look like an idiot. They don't want to stumble and mumble. They don't look like and a fool. Yeah. Yeah, nobody wants to be embarrassed.
0: That's why <laughs> that's they right. fear public speaking. That's right. And when you're public speaking, They you... fear embarrassment, not right. public speaking. Well, really.
1: here's the thing. In a discipleship group, people in your group fear the same thing. They don't want to look foolish. They don't want to look like they're not prepared. So that's number four. Number five. A group
0: of... Before f- we jump into number five, can I interrupt you yes. with a brief advertisement or advertisement as some would call it. No. According to Lifeway Research, the most common struggle is lack of time. Second is lack of resources. And third is feeling unequipped. That's probably not a surprise, but it is important. The health of our church is directly related to the health of its marriages. That's why Lifeway created marriage.com, a brand new tool that provides Christ-centered marriage coaching for every couple in your church. Backed by research and designed with your church in mind, Woo Marriage features video courses taught from a Christ-centered perspective. Courses provide practical help for communication, managing finances, handling conflict, and more. There's even courses for church leaders. The best part? It's easy. With one simple click, you can assign courses, start coaching, and start winning at work and at home. Whether you need to prepare couples for marriage, strengthen marriages, or restore relationships, you'll have an affordable, flexible solution right at your fingertips. Try it free one month with the offer code LEADERSHIP, all one word, not case sensitive, leadership at checkout. Check it out at slash free trial. And we're back. We are on number five of seven or eight. Eight. Uh, eight. eight.
1: We got to push reasons, through.
0: And, and so we're powering through. We're, we're, power we're doing through. good. We've only got three left.
1: Only got three left.
0: Wait, we, four left. Four left. Well, why are we waiting on?
1: Let's do it. Okay, <laughs> a multiplication strategy of three to five is exponentially faster than an addition strategy of one on one. Basic give math. You, yeah, I want to give you an example. Let's say. Um, Let's say you're going to invest in one person. Let's say you're an evangelist. Okay, okay. Here's the mindset. You're going to go out and you're going to evangelize one person every day no matter what. Okay, You're passionate about it. You're going you're gonna to evangelize. You're going to share the gospel. You're not going to come home until you push through and share the gospel with one person. Here's the question. How many people have you evangelized at the end of one year personally?
0: 365. Good, good. If it's every day every day no because you're
1: not, you're not eating dinner until you lead one person to christ. okay
0: then th- that's the extent of my good math okay so
1: on the flip side the other guy's going to implement what's called a discipleship strategy he's going to invest in two people after leading them to christ and spend one entire year with two people at the end of the year how many people has he invested in um a lot two Two. <laughs> You're not paying attention. Wow. Two. <laughs> wow, the end
0: of the year, he's in two. Okay. Yeah. I was so following. do the math. No, following We went here. from 365 to no, two. No, we're
1: not doing math. We're doing addition. So oh, it's see, terrible. He, at the beginning, we're doing addition. Okay, so 360. Ma- 360-
0: addition is math. That's true. Okay. Okay.
1: True. At the end of two years, the 365 guy who, who's led 365 to the Lord, at the end of two years, he does the same thing. How many people has he now invested in and led to Christ, or really just led to Christ.
0: Is it 730?
1: 730. Oh, you're, my You're goodness. on a roll now here. I'm Look like at a you. genius like, over here. Right. Okay, let's see if you can get this one. But the discipler, on the other hand, takes his two, multiplies the two, and says, do the same with two more. At the end of two years, how many people has the discipler seen discipled?
0: I'm going to say six. Four. Well, six
1: if it's him, but I'll let's just do the that. people. Okay, yeah, let's just four, do four. the people. You are good. Okay, at the end of eight years, it doesn't look very impressive for the discipler because the evangelist now has invested in 2,920 people. And I say invested. He
0: can't invest in anybody. He's just just
1: evangelized. Mm. 2,920 people. On the discipleship side, this man who started with two or woman who started with two now has four. Four now turns into eight, and then it multiplies and multiplies. And now at the end of, guess what, eight years? Not very impressive. 256 people.
0: That is not very impressive. Not very compared impressive.
1: Eight years. But when you hit 16 years, it starts to grow. At 16 years, the evangelist has personally seen six, roughly 5,000, so let's just say 6,000 people come to faith in Christ. That's a lot of people and that's personally. And every day. Every day, nonstop, yeah, that, one guy. yeah. Which normally is how most churches are set up. It's Got the one guy who's paid one. on staff, sure. who's, making, uh, who's evangelizing. On the flip side, the discipler, who started with two, that multiplied the four, that multiplied to eight. Now, at 16 years, he has seen 65,536 people, not just evangelized, but discipled. And if you take that number, Chris, down to year 30, it's multiple times the population of the globe. We have reached the globe multiple times. This is why Billy Graham said, the only way to fulfill the Great Commission will not be through evangelism, but through discipleship. It's Billy Graham there. So when you're discipling one-on-one, you have an addition model. One, let's just say you do four people a year. At the end of one year, you have four. At the end of two years, you have eight. At the end of three years, you have 12. At right. the end of four, you have 16.
0: Yeah, there's just no comparison. No Multiplication comparison. Multiplication or addition, which one do you want?
1: If that's not the most motivating factor of all of these factors to mm-hmm. be in a group of three to six, I don't know what is. Because, listen, time is short. Uh, the, the The world is not getting better. We're declining more into sin and separation from Christ. More people are plunging into eternal place called hell. More people are dying lost from Christ. We cannot wait <laughs> I mean, there is urgency for the gospel mission okay number 6 101 can be very intimidating i think i said this earlier but let's it's worth repeating the fact that you're going to encourage your people particularly men to go meet with another man they barely barely know at a coffee shop to pull back the dark deep secrets of their life <laughs> talk about the inner struggles very of comfortable mankind. setting men are di- <laughs> listen your men are dying that to- they're they're <laughs> jumping at the chance to do that no. <laughs> They're Probably not doing that. not, yeah. Yeah. So w- what I've realized is if you put together a group of three to five, that's a natural tendency for men to do. They watch football. We watch football in groups. Uh, we watch um, we watch games with groups. We hang out with groups. We barbecue with groups. I mean, we're used to that. Number seven, and this is a good one, you grow as a group. Now, why
0: is that important, Chris? Why is it important to grow as a group? Yes, I would say, because the mutual accountability that you have, Yes,
1: because the Christian life was created for you to grow in what's called the ecclesia, the church as a group of as a body of people. There's no such thing as singular Christianity. Here's what you got to realize. Our faith, our salvation is always personal. It's never private, okay? Our salvation is personal, meaning every person has come to a place where they've had a personal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have personally been changed, but your faith is never privatized. It's never it's never in seclusion. It's never in isolation. Just preached recently on Samson. Here's a man with all the potential in the world, all the power, all the authority, the power of God, the spirit of God, the, the calling of God, and yet he shipwrecked his life on earth. Now, granted, did he redeem it at the end? Yes, but he shipwrecked his life on earth, and here's why. Samson was a loner. <laughs> he didn't have anybody speaking in his life. He didn't have any accountability. He didn't have any, His parents tried to. He shunned them, and he was done with them. He didn't have any friends that would say, hey, man, you're going off the rails. Hey, watch out. There's a cliff ahead. Number eight. This is we, the final one. We've saved the best for last. All right. Can you what take a best? guess? We've done seven big ones.
0: I could take a guess, but honestly, I know the answer, so it might not you be. You do know the answer. Should number I? one,
1: number one, 101 could be a ping pong match. Number, number two, 101 is difficult to reproduce. Number three, 101 can be a counseling session. Number four, 101 does not have built-in accountability, whereas a group does. 101 is addition compared to, compared to multiplication. 101 can be intimidating. One-on-one, number seven, you miss the growth as a group aspect.
0: Number eight. Jesus. This is the, what you call the trump card.
1: This is the trump card.
0: Jesus never did it.
1: Jesus, Yes, Jesus <laughs> never discipled <laughs> one-on-one. Now, I know what you're thinking. Okay, what about Nicodemus? What about the woman at the well? What about Peter? The first two are easier to, to talk about because Nicodemus was a one-time encounter the woman at the well one common encounter see discipleship always has to have a process you don't you don't just zap people with discipleship right. see if G, if discipleship was instantaneous chris what jesus would have done with his disciples is this he would have called them all here 12 come on guys cir- circle up get in a single file line right. line they, they would have individually come to Jesus. He would have placed his head on hands on top of their head. He could have done this. Think about this. He would have placed his hands on top of their head, and he would have said, receive all truth. Boom. Wow. I know Calvinism and Arminianism. I know free will and sovereignty. I know justification, sanctification, glorification. I know all eschatological arguments. I know pre-trib and post-trib. Immediately, I know it all. Right. He didn't do that. He could have done that. Because discipleship is not an instantaneous zap of sovereign information from God to us. It is a long, arduous, systematic journey. And so Jesus knows and shows us that these one on one and one on one off, one on one encounters, that's not discipleship. Now, what about Peter? Peter was always discipled privately, personally. Hey, hey, boss, um, you're you're scaring the group with all this talk about death. Jesus says, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Remember that that was a one-on-one encounter, but here's the point of Jesus. Jesus never disciples people out in place of the group. He always disciples people out of the group. So Peter's already in a group. He's in the community group of 12 and he's in the core group of three with James and John. And so Peter is always discipled out of the group, never in place of the group. And so I think that's the greatest insight for us. If we want to have a ministry that Jesus blesses and Jesus uh, Jesus uses, then doesn't it make sense to model the actual ministry of Jesus? Here, here's the thing I want to close with. If you and I expect to experience the blessings of the ministry of Jesus, shouldn't we adopt the model Jesus used? And what Jesus used is a model of a large gathering of a congregation, a smaller gathering of a community group of 12, a smaller gathering of a core group of three, and those 12 and three changed the course of human history. Wouldn't it make sense for us to do the same in our churches today?
0: And on that note, let's talk about the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Have you listened to Rainer on Leadership with Tom Rainer and Jonathan Howe recently? We love these guys, and their topics are incredible. Topics like seven habits of a highly effective preacher, eight church fights that are fading, that's interesting. I want to go, I haven't heard that. I need to go listen to that one. Four thoughts on ordination. Um, Just look up Rainer on Leadership on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.